Hello and welcome to Superfancast. My name is Chris. I'm joined by Matt, and this is season one, interlude four. Halloween special. Halloween special. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were going to give it a name or not, or whether I was just going to say interlude four. Spooktacular. Oh, there we go. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I was going to say, should we just get straight to the to the elephant in the room and talk about yay? Yay, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Well, what can you say about yay? No more Kanye. Yeah, it's done. The Kanye oh, era is over, and the Yay era has begun. I, I'm, I can't take it seriously. I'm sorry. I was thinking about whether the world would take it seriously, because, and then, um, and then the wife reminded me of Puff Daddy, and it is true that no one calls him Puff Daddy anymore. We do all call him Diddy now, don't we? Yeah, but Diddy is like a word, whereas is Yay is more of a kind of Yay. You yeah. know, it's more of a noise. You know, it is weird. Yeah, it is weird. P Diddy still sounds like Puff Daddy. You know, I guess so. But it but it sounds ridiculous. I think Diddy sounds more ridiculous than Yay. Do you know? I think mm, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's maybe Yay sounds ridiculous because it's so new. Maybe we'll get used to it. Like Cat Stevens never got away with it. No one calls him Yusuf Islam, do they? No, they don't. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt now. You made me think. Yeah. You know. You're gonna go with Yay. We'll wait till the till Yay's. We'll wait till Yay's greatest hits. He's becoming a parody of himself. It's such a shame because I, th- I think musically, I-, I think, okay, so Donda was, from my perspective, was a bit of a joke. It was a bit ridiculous. Didn't live up to its hype at all. But he has got some, I need to listen to more Kanye, definitely, because uh, I do think he's talented. I remember when College Dropout came out and that was an awesome, awesome album. I was I was young enough to be super impressionable and by, by music. Um, yeah. And... Yeah, I was blown away by by Kanye at that point, and I think it was very different. Also, when that well, when that record came out, it was very different to a lot of hip hop that was out at the time. So I need to listen to more. But it's you know a lot of great musicians are a bit weird. So well, that's true. Um, to be honest, my my knowledge of Kanye is just from comes from things like South Park and uh, <laughs> you know parody cartoons. <laughs> the thing is, parody cartoons are more realistic than the real thing, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to Kanye. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, half of his life um, is like a did, South Park episode. It is. Yeah, it is. Didn't he say once that like if the Bible was written today then he'd be one of the main characters? <laughs> Sounds like the kind of thing he said. I know he said I am God. He, yeah. He's definitely said that. Okay. He said that he's he's got synesthesia and he can see sounds. Okay, well that's believable. Yeah, it's believable, yeah. People do have that. He said there's no time for thinking. He's definitely said that before. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't waste his time in thinking. There's no time for thinking. Yeah, it's like a waste of his energy to think. So he just doesn't do it. <laughs> he, <thinking. just, laughs> he just, he just does. He just, yeah. <laughs> but doesn't again, hang about. But that's not a bad thing, is it? I guess not. It's very efficient. I mean, you know, we waste a lot of our time thinking, don't we? Yeah, Kenny doesn't. No, I guess not. Um, if you can hear rustling, it's because my my little dog um, has had his gonads uh, taken off today, oh, and um, <laughs> he needs lots of cuddles. So I bet he does. he's got a little um, he's got a little <laughs> he's got a little comb around his head, so he looks like a little um, desk lamp. No, that's not what you need. Do you? You, yeah. your balls chops off, and then they put a cone around your head, one or the other? I know. I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking. Like, imagine if you or I. Just, you know, we were driven somewhere in a strange car, uh, taken to a, a mysterious building, and then we were put to sleep with sleeping gas, and then we woke up and our gonads were gone. You know, we'd be furious. Yeah, it's definitely one of the biggest nightmares out there. It's not yeah, like, that's, it's... that's the start of a revenge movie, for sure. Yeah, it's not likely to happen, though, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. 
<laughs> well, so we we were talking about listening to some spooky music, and to be honest, I'm not very good at listening to scary music. Mm. So I have found some spooky music, but it's not scary. But it is very enjoyable. So one of my favorite albums is the director's cut by Phantomass, and that is uh, well, Phantomass is one of Mike Patton's projects. So you can imagine what it might be like. It's very avant-garde and wacky and tongue-in-cheek. So it's got um, tracks that are dedicated to different horror movies, Mm -hmm. like The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, Big Fear, um, Spider Baby, Twin Peaks, uh, which is which isn't horror, but it's quite creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's so cool. You know, Mike Patton is just the man. There's lots of creepy, you know, cackling and crazy, like, organs and baby noises. It's cool. it's great fun. Also, there's... <laughs> this is weird. There's a reggae producer called Scientist. Okay. He did a lot of work in the 80s. And he did an album called Scientist rids the world of the evil curse of the vampires and it's got a really good front cover it's like he's he's on a he's on a little boat that's got these massive speakers on it and he's sailing through a swamp and he's scaring away all these vampires and mummies and monsters with his music but it's not um, is reggae? The, you know it's obviously reggae? it's like it's it's like dub reggae it's it's very okay. kind of it's like club electronic reggae you know right. <laughs> so this again it's this this cheesy cackling and spooky spooky voices and noises that are like bats it's really creepy cool like, like voodoo sound, right? voodoo sounds i think there's a song called my teeth around your neck which sounds very romantic mm, yeah sexy <laughs> yeah it is yeah tell me about what you've been listening to on the, on spooky music or just generally um spooky music Okay, so to go to go for spooky music, so I went on quite a hunt over the last couple of weeks for the scariest music I could find. I thought that's um, mm. that's how I want to approach Halloween. I just want to find the most terrifying music. So strap in because I've got I've got a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> all right. So yeah, so I started in the in the place where you would I don't know like the most obvious place to start, which I I think is Norwegian black metal, just because it's such a mm-hmm. grim, horrible scene has had its moments in history so you know the the most obvious scary band i guess not necessarily the music is mayhem so people might (laughs) might or might not know the stories around mayhem if they don't i'll uh, give you just a quick paragraph on it so in so mayhem are a norwegian black metal band uh they in 1991 their vocalist who went by the name dead killed himself shot himself in the face with a shotgun um Wow. And their guitarist, a guy who went by the name Euronymous, found his body, called his friend and said, oh, Dead's done this amazing thing. And then he took loads of photographs of the dead body. They then used one of those photographs for the cover of their next album. No. Uh, there were also rumours about that Euronymous took pieces of the of Dead's skull and gave them to fans. So that was pretty grim. And then... Uh, wow. A few years later, Euronymous was then stabbed to death by the singer of another Norwegian black metal band, uh, who actually I'm going to come to in a bit, so I won't give away who that was. But that mayhem story is pretty, you know, I think, you know, when you Google around and when you talk about you know, some of the most horrific things that bands have done, that's obviously the worst. <laughs> 
And yeah, that's up there. Yeah, and I mean, I have seen the cover of that album, and yes, you can tell it's a man's head blown off, and it's just oh, pretty, man. pretty awful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that kind of sets the scene of, of that, you know, that scene, well, like I've, metal in Scandinavia. I've, I feel depressed now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awful. I mean, Mayhem, I haven't listened to much of their music, but it's kind of run-of-the-mill. It's, it's not, and they're still going now, actually, Mayhem. Obviously, Dead and Euronymous are no longer there, but... Um, I, yeah, I don't know the facts, but I think maybe one of the original members is still playing with them. Um, but yeah, either way, they're still going now. But anyway, black metal in Scandinavia is not a, has has got some some very dark corners to it. So yeah, I'm going to come to a few more a few more bands around around the area. But other kind of black metal bands I listen to because black metal can sound pretty terrifying sometimes. Um, Dark Throne was recommended to me. Um, I listened to a bit of Dark Throne. They're pretty demonic sounding. Uh, it is still black metal, um, but I and I kind of wanted something a bit darker. You know, I think the metal part of black metal, uh, when it still sounds like music, <laughs> kind of takes some of the fear away. And there are definitely some bands out <laughs> there where it's it kind of devo- it, it moves away from what we even know as music altogether. And so that's kind of what I was mm. looking for. I was looking for something really like, uh, what am I listening to? Uh, kind of like a, the sound of a nightmare. <laughs> so I kept looking. <Right. laughs> so I came across Bosom. So Bosom are, uh, um, well, it's one person, actually. So Bosom is this guy, Varg Vikernes. Uh, he's a Norwegian multi-instrumentalist. And uh, his first few albums in the early 90s were dark black metal um but even you know even then i think they had kind of like a an emotive atmosphere to them if you strip away some of the lead guitar it's pretty dark and distant uh and very experimental and it's just one guy as well so i mean it's not a full band it's just him his expression uh his third record which i think is called sorry for everyone who's norwegian who's listening i think it's called havis liset ta os I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong. That's really demonic. Um, It's got really symphonic synth backdrops and really fast, aggressive drums. His voice is really otherworldly. He sounds really quite evil and inhuman. And there's a lot of pain in the sound of his voice. And I think it's also, I find it a bit darker because I know it's just him. When you know there's a whole band in the studio kind of feeding off each other, making those sounds and creating that, it's different when you know it's just one guy in a room and he's he's yeah. riled himself up to that level to to get to that like yeah must be very intense inside his head mm, yeah it's definitely more powerful knowing it's one person yeah his yeah. He, his fourth album uh was not so good i mean he he is quite experimental with some of his music and his fourth album the distortion was ramped up to like f- five million like <laughs> it was so heavy that it kind of ruins everything else and there's there there are times on that record where I couldn't even hear what was going on because it was just so it was just sounded like white noise a lot of the time because he just put mm. the distortion on so heavy and it's kind of sets the stage for some of the other bands that I ended up getting to where like I said before they, they just moved away from traditional what you would call music they're just going for I mean I don't know what he was going for with that but then after his fourth album he then went and murdered Euronymous from Mayhem and right. burnt, and burnt down a bunch of churches. And so, Lovely. yeah, he was imprisoned for, for 21 years. Whilst he was in prison, he put a bunch of records out, but they were very 
ambient and folky almost. It was really weird. It was just him and a synth <laughs> wow. in the prison cell. Um, yeah. Well, so he just they just let him record music while he was incarcerated. I guess so. I mean, it's Norway. I think I think Scandinavian prisons are a bit different, aren't they? <laughs> uh, yeah. They just give him all a synthesizer. And <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe rehabilitate them. Rehabilitation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was hopeful for those. I thought, oh, in prison, they're going to be really pained, and I don't know. But they were just not what I expected. They were. I didn't like it. It was just very. Yeah, it was just a bit folky. It was very shallow as well. In that, there was. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of depth to it, but I guess that's what you expect from one guy in a synth in a prison cell. So, yeah. So that I kind of ended my journey with Bosom there, and I took a detour from from black metal for a little bit and started listening to some some really bleak post rock. So, quite a few Godspeed You Black Emperor records. Do you know Godspeed You Black Emperor? Ah, oh, I love Godspeed You Black Emperor. Yes, love yeah, that. So some of yeah. that is very depressing. It is, but it's very it's very beautiful as well. Hmm. Yeah, it's very beautiful. It's fantastic music, uh, but mm, it's definitely mm-hmm. got. So, I, one record that struck me was um, F sharp, A sharp, Infinity. Mm, yes, that's one I listen to quite a lot. Um, and yeah, it just creates a real atmosphere. It's very sad and deflating, I would say. Um, I mean, mm. maybe not everyone sees it that way, but I definitely think if you're having a down day, I wouldn't listen to that. It would just bring you deep into the depths. Yeah. Um, I would I would say um, I I play a lot of board games like tabletop games especially horror themed mm. and I like to put on music in the background for uh, atmosphere and Godspeed Your Back Emperor are one of my top choices really for board gaming <laughs> yeah they've got a big back catalogue haven't they mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're very long epic epic albums yeah well, and, and for those that um, that aren't familiar with uh, with Godspeed You Black Emperor the, the album F Sharp A Sharp Infinity I think it's a someone correct me but I think it was a re-release of a, a record that was originally F Sharp A Sharp and the reason it was called that was because the first side of the, the record was in F Sharp and the second side of the record was in A Sharp alright oh, okay <laughs> um, and then they did a re-release called it F Sharp A Sharp Infinity because they then tagged on a bit to the end which was a repeated loop, mm. so they called that bit Infinity. Not creepy or scary, though. Quite depressing at times. Very mm-hmm. sad and depressing, but not creepy or scary. I tried some early Swans. So they're... I don't really know what genre they are. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the genre they are, but I listened to the first couple of albums, Filth and Cop, and they're both very weird. As a genre, not too sure. It's not post I mean, they've got vocals in there, but the guy sounds like he's meant like totally insane it's quite scary to think of him <laughs> in you know in a recording studio with other musicians but then if you listen to their more recent albums it's not like that at all it's much more positive and ambient and yeah it's, it's that's quite strange but the, if you listen to that album filth by swans it's just a, a lot of shouting and timing sequences that that throw you off confuse you and like uh, time signatures you mean time signatures yeah sorry um, yeah yeah, that just just confuse you a little bit, and you know the different instruments will cut out at the points where you're just totally not expecting them to cut out, and it's Ooh. yeah, it's very odd. So that that's filth and cop. Yeah, both both probably the weirdest of the the swans back catalogue. So then I got to my. I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah, go go for go for swans definitely. So then I got to my runner up. So I've got um I've got a first place of scariest, scariest band and actually the an album scariest album that I've found. Um, and they win by a, a long, long stretch. But my runner-up 
is more like a an honourable mention than a runner-up, I think. And they are second place for scary music, Virginia grindcore band, Pig Destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. well done, well done, Pig Destroyer. So yeah, so this is <laughs> this is grindcore. So you know it's what it's going to sound like because I I mean I'm not someone who listens to that kind of music, and I do find of all genres. Grindcore is probably that genre where, to me, the vast majority of it sounds the same, unfortunately. Oh, Ooh, sorry. Chris. Yeah. Yeah, un- uncultured swine. <laughs> do you, well, I mean, do you, just, do you have an ear for Grindcore? No. No, okay. <laughs> it's just very fast, repetitive drums. Like, very fast, repetitive drums. Um, very fast everything, actually. Uh, everything's very fast, very loud, and screaming vocals. And Pig mm. Destroyer uh, are not the screamiest or scariest grindcore band. I'm sure there's there's more terrifying bands out there, but I think grind uh, I think Pig Destroyer get an honourable mention just because of a few things really. I mean, one is their um, they've been going for over 20 years and they've maintained that aggression for over 20 years. So I, I, I listened yeah. to I listened to one of their earliest albums uh what was it uh, explosions in ward six and i think that came out in 1998 uh mm-hmm. and their singer a guy called jr hayes he's just so uh, i say singer i mean he's, he's just screaming but it's <laughs> it's really uh i mean his screams are something something else his screams are from another world again uh, mm. not necessarily the the, the scariest of, of grindcore but they definitely stand out as a band that has yeah, I've been doing this for a long time and I've, I've stuck by it. So listen to that Explosions in Ward 6, which was a 98 record. I then listened to their 2018 record, Headcage. So 20 years later, um, I mean, these guys are in their 40s now. And I was totally expecting him to have calmed down. Like I was 100% expecting. <laughs> there is no way he's still going to have the energy he had in 1998. And I was completely wrong. It's it's mm. as It's as aggressive and as freaky as 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 it was 20 whatever it was years ago 23 years ago it's crazy mm. um, you know his Man. his lyrics if you read his lyrics they're mostly political or anti-religious but you can't hear that like or i can't anyway like no. there's no way i can make out what he's saying so that doesn't matter it sounds to me like i mean there's a lot of sort of m- maniacal screams and grunts and it sounds like he's having a really painful mental breakdown or he's fighting off a mm. demon possession or something. Um, and all of that on top of the most aggressive, fastest drums and you know, repetitive like, power chords, I guess. I, I don't, I don't, can't, I really can't make out what they're playing. So, yeah, it's, it's really very, not just angry, but uh, like possessed, I think. So, Pig Destroyer get, <laughs> wow. if, if anything, out of all that, I think Pig Destroyer get uh, some respect from me, definitely. Just for doing mm. this for so long, maintaining their aggression and their energy, and um, you know, th- proving it's not a fad. This is something they're passionate about. Mm, wow. Okay. Destroying mm. pigs for twenty years. Yeah, Pretty they impressive. called. So they, I was reading that they called themselves Pig Destroyer because um, they thought that Cop Killer was not subtle enough. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> so, I was wondering if it was to do with cops or yeah. if they were like a vegan band or something. <laughs> Actually, no, that, that wouldn't make sense, would it? <laughs> no, it would <laughs> anti-pig destroy. Uh, but if you if you do end up Googling, I mean, I'm not going to say it on the podcast because you know, we do 
I do slip an F-bomb in here and there, but but we do have some standards. But the, the band that J.R. Hayes <laughs> was in before Pig Destroyer, that's a name that, yeah, I mean, that's not subtle at all. If you ever get around to Googling it okay. and, and seeing that, that's a pretty awful name. So that's, that's number Intriguing. two. Intriguing. That's uh, my, my runner-up, my honourable mention. So my number one spot took me back to Scandinavia, of course, even further north than Norway this time. We're going up to Sweden where we're going to find extreme black metal and extreme underlined here. So we're un- <laughs> underlining the extreme and black part and the metal bit will just, yeah, it's, it's not so highlighted. So it's extreme black metal group Abruptum. So well done Abruptum for getting the number one spot. Mm. Scary music. Absolutely. <laughs> 100% uh, number one most scary band. These guys were active in the 90s mainly. Um, they did release music after the 90s, but the lineup changed. Their sound is like nothing I've ever heard before, genuinely. They started, and, and maybe there are other bands out there that sound just like Abruptum, so please get in touch. I'm, I'm really, I'd be really happy to hear more kind of stuff like this, not because it's music that I'm going to listen to on the way to the station in the morning or anything like that, but just because I have an interest. <laughs> I'm interested in what is going on here. <laughs> Yeah, nothing like I've ever heard before. They started their journey uh, with the faintest hint of black metal, but really their sound devolved with every recording into more noise, distortion, irregular patterns, demonic grunts, growls, screams, just noises. Everything sounds improvised and chaotic. And uh, I think it's probably fair to say that everything is improvised and chaotic. They potentially go into the studio with a vague idea of what they're going to you know what they're trying to portray but i think it is free form it, there's it's only it, it could only be free form Cer- i mean certainly mm. the the record that i would say is the number one scariest record out there is their 1993 record called uh, and this is latin i think uh, obscuritatum advoco implectere mm. uh, which which is a decent length record i think it's 50 minutes but it's split into two tracks of 25 minutes each with little to no structure in either track. Uh, yes, um, yes. No melodies or thought, you know, into the composition or anything. Sounds completely improvised with... Uh, but, but the screams and the, the vocal sounds are really varied. So, you know, you think... You've listened to the first 10 minutes and you think, oh, so I, I know the guy's voice now. And then this whole different, like... It, yeah, this whole different sound will come in. It will just sound more otherworldly or like he's just been possessed by something or he's just in so much pain it's it's so strange and because there's no form to it that the listener can hold on to the listener just never knows what's going to happen next you know that sometimes it will come in and it will sound like music starting and then it will just completely stop and then a scream Mm. will come in and it's just horrifying (laughs) like that album is, is really horrifying Yes. Yeah. You you sent you sent that to me, didn't you? Yeah. I did. Um, it really does sound like a night. <laughs> it really, it really does sound like a nightmare. Um, yeah, I'm imp- I'm impressed by it actually, and yeah, the the random screams and different noises going through it does sound. It, it it's almost like a jump scare at times. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say I'm impressed by it as well. I'm definitely impressed because I was really I was looking for. Um, I mean, I'd listened to a lot of black metal because that, that seemed to be the genre that I was going to find scary music in. So I listened to a lot, and this 
leapt out as just way darker than anything else out there. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely impressed that they've managed to create that. And I, I want to know what's going through their mind or why they why they want to do this. What what are they getting out of it? Or, you know, also, who's their audience? So that's another thing. So all their albums, or the majority of their albums, not all, but the majority of their albums and the majority of their track names are all Latin and not short Latin names. <laughs> like, there'll be sentences in Latin. So no one's remembering the names of the tracks. Where you've got an album that's two 25-minute long tracks, no one's remembering, you know, the point in, in that that they like. Or, you know, I, I, no one's listening to it in the way that they listen to music regularly. That, that people can't... Re- Do you know what I mean? They, they can't discuss it in the same way they would discuss other music. So who's their target yeah. audience? Or who do they think is appreciating this? Because, you know, people are listening to it. Surely, I don't know. Like I, I found, I came across abruptum um, through a, a Reddit forum where people were discussing, um, you know, dark, dark uh, black metal bands. So you know, someone's recommended it, which means somebody is listening to it. I just can't get my head around who that audience is, or why, why they're listening to it, or wh- at what point in their day are they listening to it? Are they listening to it whilst they're doing their taxes, or are they listening to it whilst they're cleaning <laughs> out the shed? I can't get my head around it. Yeah, or burying bodies in the garden. Well, maybe I don't know. But um, can you can you imagine people going to a concert, a br- an abrupt and concert, and that, you know they are they moshing or are they just sitting there or are they just like running around like screaming or I don't, I know. don't know. Yeah, really don't know. Or maybe it's just it's just like an experience. People share it word of mouth. They say like, "Hey, this is really creepy music." just sit in a dark room and you know you're gonna shit yourself listening to it and <laughs> that's how it spreads out you know yeah i guess so yeah i mean yeah. i mean latin latin names make things a bit more edgy don't they a bit more demonic sounding i think like they're like spells. in the black metal scene yeah 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 the guy the guy who formed abruptum and did a lot of the vocals in that in that album that I've mentioned, that Obscuritatum Advoco Implectere. And just if anyone wants to listen to it, it's on Spotify, that record. So, um, you know, they've got quite a lot of albums and not all of them are on Spotify, but that particular one is. And I would definitely, if you want to hear something really disturbing, I would definitely listen to that. So the guy that, uh, that formed the band and provided a lot of the instrumentation and vocals for, the, for that record and earlier stuff, uh, he went by the name It. His real name was Tony Sarka. He passed away at the age of 44. I don't know the circumstances of, of how he died. But, you know, it, it, they didn't seem to be, you know, all that evil stuff with mayhem and bosom and the crimes they committed. Abruptum don't seem to be involved in that kind of scene. Uh, I think that they were just a band making really dark music. <laughs> um, after yeah. it passed away, a second guy in the band who went by the name Evil... He continued to make music <laughs> under the name Abruptum. Uh, and the music was slightly different with Under Evil. Um, but, it, you know, it was still that kind of genre. But yeah, there you go. That's my number one darkest music in the world. Yeah. But but let's be honest, it's not as scary as Tiptoe Through the Tulips by Tiny Tim. <laughs> that is the scariest music ever written and recorded. <laughs> do you really do you think so? Yeah, it's no, creepy, generally, like it, it makes music. me... Creepy. It makes me have a panic attack, but um, also it's also it's uh, it's in the film Ins- Insidious. 
right. whenever there's a demon in the scene, it starts playing on this old like um, record player, and just the sound of it is it's absolutely monstrous. I mean, it, you know, even when it came out in the I think it was the late sixties, like people. I don't know how people would have listened to that and thought this was this is a lovely bit of music. It's just like it is just evil sounding. Uh, just have you heard of the Hungarian suicide song? No, it sounds cheerful. Well, it's not bad actually. Like I've listened to it. It's not the worst song in the world. Like, but there, there's this song called um, the Hungarian suicide song. Uh, the actual song I think is called Somoru Vasanap, which means gloomy Sunday. It's a song. Um, that uh, has been tied to so many suicides and they think that mm. this song is so depressing that people kill themselves. Um, oh, so it's not called the Hungarian Suicide Song? No, it's, it's known as the Hungarian Suicide Song because so many people have, have killed themselves and perhaps in suicide notes claims that this song brought them to it or you know this song was the last song they listened to or you know various reasons um yeah just just lots of claims that that many people over history have killed themselves to this song it's been banned mm. by lots of broadcasters over the years because they're terrified that people will kill themselves you can listen to it right. on youtube it's not that depressing it's <laughs> but i mean maybe it's just a big urban legend thing maybe it's maybe really no one's killed themselves to it yeah. Very strange, or maybe it's just really popular, and so it just it just happened to be on everybody's playlist when they happened to to end their lives. It's maybe just, I mean, and it's just a coincidence, and people people look for patterns, you know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Billie Holiday did a cover of it, and uh, the BBC banned it. Yes, I know this song. Yes, I know this song. It, I mean, I mean, I, I think whatever she does, though, it does sound incredibly moving and I dare say depressing. I mean, she's. She's got such a, um, I don't know, her voice really cuts into your, your soul, I think. Mm. And her version, it, it's very moving. And I could understand the stories with that version. I haven't heard the other version, though. Right, yeah. I have not heard um, Billie Holiday's version. But, yeah, I mean, the song's got to be pretty... It, she sung it in 1941, and the BBC didn't lift the ban until 2002. Right. Hmm. Anyway. I'll have to check it out. That was a bit of a tangent there. Do you want to hear what else I've been listening to other than dark music? Sure, yeah. Anything happy? <laughs> yeah, I've been listening to some happy stuff. Oh, have you watched Squid Game? Of course. Have you, have you watched it to the end? I have, yes. Oh. <laughs> we just watched, uh, we Why? finished watching it last night. Oh, okay. What did you think? I don't, I won't give any spoilers away to anyone listening, but um, liked it. Yeah, I liked it very much. Um, there's no season two though, is there? I mean, they haven't even started filming a season two yet. Um, mm, I think they've announced it though. They've announced that it's going to happen, yeah. But I think it's mm. uh, a couple of years away. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Really good. I mean, Koreans are just taking over, aren't they? They are absolutely taking over. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Uh, the wife's been watching yeah. other Korean, <clears throat> some Korean dramas and stuff on Netflix. There's so much Korean TV out there, and Korean music, which is a really tidy segue into the first um, person to speak about that I've been listening to. Because uh. it's important to mention the good and the bad, isn't it? <laughs> so Yes, yeah, of course. I noticed there was uh, a record out last week by a Korean female rapper called CL. And mm. that I found that quite interesting because K-pop is 
managed very differently to how music is managed in the West. Generally, people want to become a singer, so they go and audition for a, a label. Then the corporation, if they like you, they'll put you into a group and they'll say, okay, well, you're going to join this group and you're going to release this music. Mm. So it's very different in the West where you would where you would be passionate about music and then you would go down your own path and make the music you want to make and then send that to a record label and try and get signed. It's slightly more manufactured in Korea. So to see a female rapper come out of Korea who's self-publishing her music, I thought, that sounds cool. Just very different, mm. not, what, not what we're seeing at the moment. Sadly, <laughs> I didn't like, didn't like the record at all. <laughs> but, oh, no. Uh, yeah. So this, so this woman, CL, she is not new to the music scene. She was in a K-pop group called To Anyone, and she released a couple of, I think, three records they had out. And I haven't listened to their music, but I, I imagine it's kind of, well, I, I don't know, but it's certainly not rap. And then she departed there, and she took, took her own path, and I, I'm guessing she's self-published her first rap album because she couldn't get signed in Korea. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. But hmm. um, she's uh, produced it herself, and she's released it on her own label. And it's incredibly American sounding. And she, she kind of mm. flits between English and Korean uh, when she's right. rapping. But the style of rapping is not something that I particularly like. It's, mm, it's very modern. It's very modern. Um, and very, it's something that I like particularly. Um, so, yeah. It wasn't for me, but I was really interested in her story, so I gave that a listen. I listened to My Morning Jacket. Do you know My Morning Jacket? No, I don't, know. What is oh, it? I, I feel like I'm, I'm late to the party with My Morning Jacket, so hurry up and get into them. <laughs> <laughs> they, just, they just released an album, a self-titled album, and, it's, and I thought, oh, maybe this is a debut, and I looked into them, and that's their ninth record. I don't know why it's oh, now wow. self-titled. And it's really good. You'd, I think you'd like it. So... It is uh, different. It's very different. So their current record, uh, the self-titled ninth, ninth studio album, is very eclectic. It's really eclectic. It's got influences from progressive rock, psychedelic rock, plains country. It's really mm. good. You know, I, I think the psychedelia is something that's maintained throughout the record. Um, but there are definitely tracks on there that are, are very, um, very country influenced. Uh, there's even one track on that new record which I think has has got some new wave influence on it. Like it's it's very strange. Like, it, but it's really cool. I mean, there's not there's not a, a track out there that's less than like six minutes <laughs> minimum. It's All right. Cool. Um, but I went back and listened to one of their earlier albums. I think the second record they had was At Dawn, and uh, it's quite different. They sound a lot more like Fleet Foxes. Almost immediately, I thought this sounds like Fleet Foxes. So that yeah, that that second record is quite different. So they've progressed they've, they've changed their sound a little bit the at dawn record was recorded on the singers uh, jim james his family's soybean farm and he recorded All his right. vocals in an empty silo <laughs> and you can totally hear that and that's why it sounds like <laughs> fleet foxes <laughs> okay okay interesting if you imagine someone singing into an empty silo what that sounds like nice nice one can i do one more yeah go on then <laughs> cheer, cheer cheer us up so I've been listening to Desire by Pharaoh Munch, which is his second studio album. And for some reason, an album that I hadn't really got into. I, ha- I had internal affairs and I had uh, PTSD. And I hadn't checked out Desire at the time. So I've been listening to that. And it's just so good. He's just, Pharaoh Munch is amazing. Yeah, I know you're not 
you're not a massive hip hop fan, but I mean, it's just mind blowing. His lyrics and his flow is it's just on another level. His flow is on another level, and and the way he he rhymes it, multiple syllables and also completely unexpected rhyming as well. Like he'll he'll rhyme a, a point in a line that is you think you know what's coming and then it doesn't, and then it's better than expect. Oh, it's just. <clears throat> He's on another level with rapping. Um, can he? Can he? Um, can he rhyme with the word orange? I'm sure he could rhyme with the word orange, definitely. <laughs> or 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 purple. I'd be impressed if he could. Drop him a tweet and see if he can rhyme with the word orange or purple. He's he's great, and I don't know what he's doing. Like, he released PTSD in 2014. I mean, that was a long time ago now. Where is he? He's he's recently. Oh, so recently. I think like 2018 or 2019 or something. He put together a band called 13 and I don't know what his aim was with that. I mean, it's not, it's not rock. Like it still sounds like hip hop. So I don't, I don't know what mm. the benefit is in having a live band. That, I don't know what he's getting from having a live band that he wasn't getting before, but the, but the records that 13 have released are not the quality that he was doing as a solo artist. And, mm. and also it's not taken him seven years to, to release a couple of albums with a band. Like it, it, he needs to put out some more solo albums. So if Ferro Munch is listening, put out another solo album, please. Maybe he just wanted some friends. <laughs> Do you think it's lonely? It's lonely at the top. That's a thing, isn't it? That's it. He just wants people around him just to hang out with. Mm. He was never at the top, though, and that's the problem with, with hip-hop. And I suppose a lot of genres, isn't it? Definitely that... Well, I guess there's so many things in play, isn't there, with, with music. And being the best lyricist and being the best uh, technical rapper isn't the thing that's necessarily going to get you to the top of the charts. I guess having the catchiest tunes <clears throat> and the best marketing ploy is the things that get you to the top of the charts. And changing your name to Yay. Mm, exactly. Uh, well, it's, it's, all, it's all down to marketing, really, I think. I'm, I'm a bit cynical about the, about the music industry, but I think it's 90% marketing. Um, Ooh, 90 is a lot. 90 is a lot. 5%, 5% luck. That's 5%, 5% talent, then? Well, mm, I think I think to get to the top, possibly. I mean, in the sense of becoming a famous star. Yeah. But to be a successful musician, um, talent is a massive part of it. But you you might not be known. You know, you yeah. could be a session player, or you know, you could be playing in a in a big band, mm. but you're not a famous person per se. F- fame comes a lot from marketing, I think. You know, especially now with with online techniques, you know, social media, that sort of thing. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like I know, um, when, when I went to music college, one of the teachers he, um, he was telling us that he auditioned for the backing band of of quite a well known singer I won't mention, and he sent his portfolio, and they said, "Oh no, just 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 send us some photos of yourself. That's all we need." You know, it's it's sad, um, but that's if you want to be famous, that's that's how it goes. You got to have good marketing. Yeah, maybe you're right. Anything else? Anything else up on the catch up? I mean, with Halloween coming up, I really enjoy scary movies. So I do listen to the soundtracks, like John Carpenter's Halloween. The music for that was actually composed and possibly performed by John Carpenter. Okay. Uh, and it's such an iconic, you know, the iconic piano riff. It's in five four. Do 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 do. You know that one? Yes. That's one of my all time favorite movies. So I'm 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 flicking through classic soundtracks of horror films, and also the 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 uh, the Saw franchise. All of the the soundtracks are on there on you on 
Spotify and and it's all a big mess. Um, but it's what I kind, kind of, of like it in a weird way. Like? It's it's very industrial, uh, like Nine Inch Nails sound okay. um, with with strings playing. You know, very dramatic moments. It's it it takes itself it takes itself way too seriously the music, but I, I really like it. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I was going to say it sounded uh, what you were describing sounded quite intriguing until you said it takes itself way too seriously. So I might give that a listen. <laughs> yeah, but um, just put it on in the background, you know, while you're washing up or something. But don't <laughs> don't just sit and listen to the sore soundtrack. Doing my doing my taxes. Um, yeah, maybe maybe doing your taxes. Yeah, that's quite appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh dear cool you've given me a lot of um food for thought a lot of interesting bands to check out have you been taking notes i have been yeah good. mentally <laughs> good work Alrighty. so halloween episode we decided we're going to take a, a bit of a different approach this time and come at you with some spooky musical tales. So, Matt, have you got a musical tale for us to, to start? Well, I guess it's more of a collection of little testimonies oh. about a place, a haunted place. Oh. This is the mansion in Hollywood at 2435 Laurel Canyon Boulevard. Cool. So this... Um, this has got a lot of history, built on the site of a house previously owned by Errol Flynn, and it was rented as a magic practice space for Harry Houdini, so it's been nicknamed the, the Houdini house, even though he didn't actually live there. So it's a huge house, four bedroom, and beautiful grounds, and in the 1990s, Rick Rubin bought it, the, I say, legendary right. producer, I mean, he's, he's definitely a, bit, a legend. I mean, he is a legend, but some a lot of people don't like his style. A lot of people do. I think he's a legend. Uh, he's a, so producer-wise, he's you know he's got such an eclectic back catalogue. He's just you know not many producers have produced musicians as as varied as like you know, Run DMC and Slayer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Metallica and yeah, he's done a lot of varied stuff, uh, and and he's definitely got a name for himself. Like, how yeah. many producers are there that have actually got a name out there? You yeah. know. Yeah. It's like, this is my sound. And Rick Rubin's got his own sound. He bought this in the 90s, and he's used the mansion as a recording studio. And several bands have found spooky things going on in the house. So I'll just talk through a few of these that I found. Okay, mm -hmm. so the first album that he recorded there was Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of creepiness going on there. Right, they decided to to stay in the mansion, except for drummer Chad Smith, because he was convinced that it was haunted and he refused to stay. And instead, he would come to the studio each day on his motorbike. So he'd say, oh, I'm not scared of ghosts, but I felt a presence. I'm not staying there. The rest of them stayed there. <laughs> He's the most straight edge, isn't he? Like, all, all the others came from broken households and have, have odd backgrounds, but Chad Smith is was quite straight edge i think so i always trust his opinion <laughs> yeah maybe that's why maybe he knew what was going on yeah. and there's a bunch of photographs taken while they were recording and there was strange light orbs seen in the photographs 
Um, I just sent you one actually. And, yeah, uh, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, so that photo, it's in the, I think it's in the album sleeve. It's a red photo of the band hanging out in the mansion grounds. And if you look in the middle, and I'll post this on the Facebook page, um, there's a weird white blob mm. sort of floating. Yeah, it kind of looks like it's got a smiley face on it. Um, it's it's going over um, Antikides' head. Can you see it? You can't miss it. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so the photographer says oh, there was nothing there when he took the picture. But obviously there's a huge, weird, floating ghost balloon right in the middle of the band. So Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's very... It's very perfect form, isn't it? I mean, it's an oval shape. It's not an organic shape. So mm, I'm not sure. I, I think it could just be light refraction, maybe. Could be. Could be. Flea reported seeing a woman in black walking around the house. And uh, John Frusciante, the guitarist, he said that he thought the ghosts were friendly and they should have just got along with them fine. And he claims that he went as far as to masturbate one of them. Right. So, yeah, but I think he was, like, quite high on heroin at the time, wasn't he? Or right, you're he well. Was... <laughs> there, was, there was definitely a bit of heroin going around. Yeah, I don't know if I would... Uh, that sounds... I don't know what it sounds like. I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. how I feel about that. <laughs> so, yeah, but about the about the ghosts, and, and he, he, he does say that there were ghosts. Uh, Frashanti says they were very friendly... We have nothing but warm vibes and happiness everywhere we go in this house. So, you know, that's quite nice. But yeah, there was there was there was a lot of creepiness going on with that album. Um, so does, just cut does this. Rick Rubin so does Rick Rubin own this place? Uh I think he owns it now, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. does yeah. I think he's still I think he's still recording it. Right. They still use it as, as a recording studio. Yeah. Linkin Park recorded in it, Maroon Five. Um Young Thug, I don't know who that is. Um, a couple of other bands where I've got quotes from. System of a Down, they recorded their, oh, what was it, Hypnotize, Mesmerize albums. Okay. Rick Rubin's publicist, Heidi Robinson Fitzgerald, was hanging around with them while they were recording. And she turned up one day for a time of press and interviews and she started feeling something very strange. She said, it wasn't bad or anything, but it was obvious, and it grew to where it was so intense that I felt like something was standing right behind me. And then, and then an apparition appeared, a woman dressed in white walking down the stairs. Uh, there was no breeze in the house, but whatever she was wearing was floating in the wind, she says. The woman then turned around and walked back up the stairs before disappearing. And during the same recording sessions, uh, the guitarist Darren Malakian reported strange noises coming from his amp tubes at 4pm every single day. Interesting. Yeah, so a lot of electrical interference. I like and it. I like it so far. Yeah. Yeah, it's creepy, isn't it? The third band that I'm going to mention about the mansion is Slipknot. So there's some more electrical interference and weird ghostly meetings here. A lot of what I read about this actually was uh, Corey Taylor generally getting pissed off with Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin produced um, Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses. And he, he, what's his name? Corey Taylor, he said that Rubin barely came into the studio. We were being charged horrendous amounts of money. And for me, if you're going to produce something, you're going to be fucking there. I don't know who you are. 
<laughs> the Rick Rubin of today is a shadow of the Rick Rubin that he was. He's he's overrated, overpaid. I'll never work with him again. So there was already mm. bad vibes going on in the house. <laughs> Corey Taylor's pretty outspoken um, about a lot of stuff, though. So I don't I don't know if I necessarily are going to stand by his. No, that's true. That's true. There was one time, and this is actually in Corey Taylor's autobiography or his his second autobiography. <laughs> the book's called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Heaven. So he talks about the mansion. He says, I was alone in I was alone in the room that I was sharing with Sean Crayon, which is the clown. Mm. The door to our room was shut and locked. The doors to the balcony were shut and locked, but the door to the bathroom was wide open, getting ready to hit the town with a vengeance. Ooh. Oh I was in God. a great mood, singing along <laughs> with the Bee Gees and washing all my filthy bits that needed immediate attention. The shower curtain Can was open say, a smidge. I have, no, and I, guess, I have no interest in reading this autobiography. It sounds awful. <laughs> well, that's, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm here, to, to give you the best bits. Oh, God. The, uh, especially when he's talking about his filthy bits. Um... The shower curtain was open a smidge and I could see the room from my vantage point. I looked up. A man in a tuxedo walked past the open door staring right at me. Which sounds a bit like something from The Shining, I think. Drummer Joey Jordison also had a weird experience. He felt a ghostly form pass through him in the basement. And he reported his door swinging open at exactly 9.30am every morning. That's creepy. He also had uh, electrical interference in his amps around... I think it was around 4 o'clock. Or four thirty every day. So, something happened about four thirty that wasn't good. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. So something that's that's quite f- fascinating. One of the things that Corey Taylor noted when he uh, was staying in his room, he found a phone jack with the words "In case of paranormal activity, dial," followed by a phone number. Oh, are we only taking Corey Taylor's word for this? Um. Well. That's I've only heard that from Corey Taylor. <laughs> I mean, it sounds very it, like it's from a Goosebumps novel, doesn't it? Like it's. It does. It does. I don't. Uh, yeah. Oh, Corey. Yeah. So this is the mansion. So there's lots of rumors of what happened in the past. Let's see. So. Okay, so I like it, right? Don't get me mm. wrong. I like it, and I think it sounds like there is definitely some spooky stuff going on there. Uh, mm. I do, however, think that you've got uh, we've got tales here from Chili Peppers who uh, mm-hmm. are, not, are not afraid of, of their hard drugs. Um, System of a Down, who um, have definitely had some periods of hard drugs. And Slipknot, who... Uh, I mean, whether he's on drugs or not, I don't trust a lot of what comes out of Corey Taylor's mouth. I, th- I don't know if they're necessarily people that I would trust my life with. So mm. Maybe not the most reliable witnesses, but it's definitely had a reputation. Yes. I'll just talk about the history of the building. So uh, there's lots of rumours, but no one knows exactly what happened. Um, But one story is that the previous owner was the wealthy owner of several huge furniture stores. He was a big magnate, as they call him, RJ Walker. He had a son who was a homosexual who got in an argument with his lover and threw him off a balcony, letting him fall... 30 feet to his death and according to the story this occurred during a party and the the furniture store owner spent every dime making sure his son escaped prosecution so do and we this think meant that the, the house do we think that balcony was in the house it was in the house yeah okay okay gotcha gotcha mm. and the house now became cursed um legend has it that it was sold to houdini but it wasn't it's this is 
that's where it gets a bit weird. But it did have tunnels underground leading to Houdini's house, which was just down the road. And they used these tunnels to transport alcohol and prohibition. Oh. A lot of people were using those tunnels, you know, to do to do various things, um, various showbiz naughtiness. But who knows what might have happened? You know, maybe that was that was the guy in the tuxedo Corey Taylor met. <laughs> you just don't know. I think tunnel, <laughs> tunnels under houses is always creepy, regardless yes. of what they were built for. Oh, definitely, definitely. But then you, you get the reputation of it being haunted, and then suddenly everybody's seeing ghosts. But, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah, I think you're right. You know, you can't really trust these people. <laughs> um, but it does make an interesting story. And, and they're still recording things there, so it can't be that bad. Yeah, and I, I don't doubt that it's probably got some, um, got some spookiness about it. <laughs> Hopefully there's some testimonies from for some more reliable witnesses. <laughs> Ricks must have something to say about it. Apparently, though, he hardly spends any time there, so right. he probably doesn't even know. <laughs> so what story do you have for me? <laughs> well, I hope you're ready for some chaff, because it's not going to compare to what you had there. But I have quite a tale. So Mike Powell... I mean, if, ever, if anyone knows who Mike Powell is, they don't need to listen, listen to the rest of this story, because I've given his name away from the start, but... <laughs> My assumption is you don't know Mike Powell. <laughs> so Mike, no. Powell, Mike Powell was and is a respectable Englishman from Liverpool. He's a father of two. He worked in sales and marketing most of his life. Enjoys keeping fit. He's done a number of endurance events. What I'm painting here, Matt, is I'm painting the picture of a normal bloke. He's right. just an ordinary chap who works in sales <clears throat> and marketing. Mm. Is, a, is a dad and enjoys keeping fit. Nothing strange there. Okay. On 15th of November 1992, in fact, a week before, so 7th of November 1992, Mike had been to visit his parents' graves. He was at a low point in his life, and he went to speak to his parents to ask them for help, ask them for some guidance. So he went to see their graves, and it's not something he did all the time, asked for some help, went home, got on with his life. About a week later, things took a a turn for the strange when Mike... (laughs) Mike woke up in his bed in the middle of the night and he could see someone at the end of the bed. Ooh. He rubbed his eyes. He thought, oh, shit, is this an intruder? He poked his head out from underneath the covers and thought, I need to take a glimpse at it. And he, he confirmed there is definitely a man standing at the end of the bed. But it's not just oh. any old man, Matt. He Who looks it? closely. It's John Lennon. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Now, for those that missed this news flash. JL died in uh, 1980, so for him to be standing at the end of Mike's bed in 1992 (laughs) is a little shocking. Yeah, it would be creepy, though, even if he was still alive. (laughs) It depends what era John Lennon. Definitely late era John Lennon, when he's dressed like Jesus and he's got the long flowing hair. Yes, yeah, true. uh, Yeah, and that's a good point. I don't know what era he was seeing, but he he recognised it immediately. Uh, Mike does point out, though, he was not a fan of the Beatles, he wasn't a mm. music fan generally, so he doesn't know why John chose him to to appear to him. Um, but, you know, he, he chose him. So, you know, Mike remembered at that point that he'd asked his parents for help, and now John was appearing to him, asking him for help. So he wow. knew that it was his duty to do whatever it was that John needed him to do. His destiny. Mm. So I suppose you're wondering, what is it that John wants Mike to do? Absolutely. <laughs> So John's life was cut short too early and he still had a head full of music, hundreds of songs that he needed to get out. It's painful to keep them in. 
So John needed a way to get this music to the people. So what would you do if you were in John, John Lennon's situation? You would pick an ordinary chap from Liverpool who works in sales and marketing and you would transmit your songs to him telepathically. Wow. And then ask Mike to release, record and release those songs as John Lennon. It okay. Was, you, would have thought, you would have thought you'd go for a, a musician though, wouldn't you? Would Well, you might. You might think that. <laughs> but let's not be judgmental. So that night... Uh, in November 1992, Mike received his first transmission from the ghost of John Lennon. So John appears to him. He sees John in front of him. Yeah. And I've, I've watched interviews with Mike and Mike says, I can see him, you know, as clear as day. Like he's a human form. He's not ghosts. He's not spirit looking. He's absolute human form, solid. But he doesn't talk to me. He just looks, he stares intently at me and I receive his messages telepathically. Wow. <laughs> so That's um, quite an honour, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So that, so that first night in 1992, he received his first transmission from, from John, and the song was called It Was You. And I've listened to it. It's all right. <laughs> Does it sound like John Lennon? It kind of sounds like early Beatles, I suppose, but only in the sense that you know, it kind of sounds like anything that's 1950s influenced. Um, yeah. You know, kind yeah. Of rock, it's a rock and roll tune. It's kind of cute. If you put some some harmonic backing vocals on there, it, it's it's very passable as a Beatles song, but it's okay. There's nothing okay. special about it, but it's a nice song, you know. So it, I, I've seen it played by the Mike Powell band. I think they're called. They're not going to win any Grammys or anything, but you know, I've definitely seen shitter bands than, than the Mike Powell band. And I'm not sure. Well, okay, we're going to get to we're going to get to my theory. Uh, well, I, I won't jump the gun. So we'll fast forward a few few decades um by 2010 i mean he'd continued seeing john right so on a regular basis john appears to him he transmits songs to to mike mike goes home writes them down records them with his band who let's not forget before meeting john lennon mike had zero he he talks about this quite a lot how he had zero musical training he was not into music at all and now he has this music so he'll then record them with his band and put them out and hope that people uh, listen to them thinking that it's John Lennon. So he's now received, by 2010 this was, he had received more than 350 songs from the ghost of John Lennon. Wow. I mean, even if John Lennon was alive, that's a lot of songs, isn't it? It is, but maybe he was that kind of person who was constantly spewing out material. Yeah. And maybe in, maybe when you're in the afterlife, it's much easier to... <laughs> composed music you know you've got all the instruments around you and <laughs> endless studio space yeah yeah well of those 350 songs i mean there's definitely at least one album out there there's there's one album on spotify if you search for the mike powell band uh there's a there's a lot of his music on youtube as well like live recordings of, of him in the band the the album on spotify i've read in some interviews that that was supposed to be the first of three albums he was going to release but I can't find the other two so I don't know if they ever were released and mm. certainly in recent years um, he's gone a bit quiet and it's noticeable because around sort of the early noughties he was very loud I mean there was right. there was a lot of Mike Powell out there so Mike paints as well he paints images to better put across some of his interactions with John where he can't describe them so he paints images of those meetings. He's held exhibitions of his work. Uh, again, on YouTube, you can see him talking about his art and various pieces and, and what they portray. Wow. He's also released a book 
about his relationship with John and everything that's happened to him. He has gone on speaking tours around the country that I've read some some pretty angry reviews of online. So his talking tour, his speaking tour was called the John Lennon Experience. Um, mm. and, I, and I think that the marketing material didn't fully explain what the John Lennon Experience was. So a lot right. of people would go to these speak go to these talks expecting it to be a talk about John Lennon and it was instead a talk about a man who thinks he's being visited by the ghost of John Lennon and they should listen to his music. Wow. So yeah, so he's definitely been very vocal in the past and in recent years I can't seem to see much by him. But I don't think I really need to give my opinion. It's, I think it's pretty clear <laughs> from the way I'm explaining the story. But I, I do kind of feel that there's this guy who wanted a career change. He wanted to start doing music and saw this opportunity as a way to get the world involved and get his name out there because his band is all right. You know, it's not awful. It's really all right. And I think if it didn't have this story around it, you know, it's, it's perfectly mm. possible that I would listen to it. Like it's, yeah. You know? Yeah. But because it's got all this weird story about it, it's kind of a bit, it becomes a bit sad. I mean, the, the saddest turn of the whole story is that he's sent CDs of his recordings to Yoko Ono to get her confirmation oh. that he is in fact in comms with her dead husband, which wow. is not nice. I mean, that can't be easy for her. And she, he's, he's unhappy that he's never received a reply from her. Um, no, no. But if he's deluded, then he probably thinks, well, I'm doing her a favor, mm. connecting her with, with her long lost husband. Yeah, it's hard. I, I can't. I, I'm not 100 percent sure on whether I think he's deluded or whether I think he knows he's wrong and he's doing it for publicity, uh, and he has got plenty of publicity from it. Yeah, uh, well, it's great marketing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's how you find out about this band. And now I want to listen to it. <laughs> I want to see what it's like. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it's not awful, but it's it's clearly heavily influenced by the Beatles and their ilk. Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I mean, it was like a doom metal band <laughs> <laughs> like what is this yeah he's on the right path he's on the right path so the, uh, it happens to me is is the album that's on spotify take a listen to that as i say there's a lot more of his stuff on youtube a lot of live recordings with him and his band his website is called powell to the people as in mike powell oh nice clever yeah <laughs> so I mean there's lo there's a lot of Mike Powell out there yeah let, let me know what you think well I'll check him out yeah he sounds like a character yeah he's he's recorded at Abbey Road with with his band he's he's recorded with some big names he's made friends with Yuri Geller uh, you know it feels a little bit orchestrated right he's done quite well out of it I think did this all just happen overnight absolutely just one visitation absolutely 100% I mean that's so his his life changed because of one night. Well, he, he says... It seems that very, very extreme, is, you know. Yeah, I mean, he says it was his calling because John was clearly in pain and needed to get this music out and there was no other way to do it. And so he felt it was his duty. And he was at a, cross point, at a crossroads in life where he was feeling unhappy. And so he thought this was, this was his calling. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, everybody needs a, needs a calling, don't they, I guess? Well, there you go, Mike Powell. But, but interestingly, you sent me uh, earlier in the week, you sent me a different story that was strangely similar in, in a way. So you sent me the story mm. of, well, a website. So I think the guy on this website is claiming that he received a tape of an unreleased Beatles album. Yeah. Uh, how did he receive the tape? 
it's an album they would have released in a, in a different dimension where they didn't split up. He, he meets a explorer of interdimensional... <laughs> a, 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 an explorer for an, a dimensional travel agency and was looking in new uncharted dimensions and came upon his earth. And we talked a lot of things, including the Beatles. And then, and then he's, he asked this guy... Are they still together? And he was like, "Yeah." And then he gave him a uh, a tape. That's so, nice. a an interdimensional traveler gave him a Beatles album from another dimension. It's like something out of Rick and Morty, isn't it? Yeah, it is totally. But this this website's got the album. Have you listened to it? I have. Yeah. Give us give us your thoughts, um, and I'll give you my thoughts. I I actually really like it. I mean, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, f- but first of all, you know, I don't think it's a Beatles album because. <laughs> well, for a number of reasons, but like, for example, <laughs> I mean, for example, the first track is just like a remix of all their old songs, and it's like I don't think they would do that. It just seems like filler. Yeah, you know, the Beatles don't do filler. Yeah. Um, the rest of the tracks they're quite good. I really like them, and I like to believe that it's possible, even if I don't believe that it's possible. I like the idea, you know, the, like the harmonica in some of the songs and. That there's there's influences from all the all of their albums, uh, and, it's and it's not quite bad nice. production quite... as well. It's not like no, it's good. Yeah, it's not like some some weirdo's done it in his bedroom to try and fool the internet. Like it's 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 fairly good production. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite impressed by it. You know, like like definitely some decent musicians have come together and put this together, and yeah. it's it's enjoyable listen you know yeah. I'm, I'm i'm surprised it's not more well known you know yeah one just reminded me of one uh, funny sort of internet conspiracy was that some of mike powell's music people online say it sounds they sound more like mccartney songs than lennon songs and so Ooh. that that proves the theory that mccartney is dead <laughs> Because actually, oh, it's the ghost wow. of McCartney who's visiting him, not the ghost of John Lennon. That's nuts. That is clever. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's clever, but also completely batshit as well. It's insane. Like it's it's so convoluted. Yeah, yeah. There's there's lots of stuff about Paul McCartney being dead though. That's really entertaining to read. Yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's so, really yeah. interesting. So that's my that's my Beatles uh, hot chaff. Oh, I love it. It's not a hot chaff at all. It's great. I love yeah, I like it. like that. What else did you have? So this is a bit of a creepy tale. You <laughs> might think this is also clever marketing for an album. Maybe it is. I don't know. I don't I don't think it is. It is a bit weird. So you know the band, the Mars Volta? Yes. I've told you about them. Yeah. They're brilliant. I love them so much. They're like progressive rock mixed with like hardcore punk and jazz and all sorts of things. They, there's nothing that there's no other band that sounds like them. I don't think so. Most of their music is from the guitarist who's called Omar Rodriguez Lopez and the singer Cedric Bixler Zavala. So I'll shorten them to Omar and Cedric. And they've had a, a bunch of revolving musicians with them, which have included Flea and John Frusciante from the Chili Peppers. Oh right, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, like guests. I say guest musicians. I mean, they have played with them uh, on some of their albums. <clears throat> so they, they get their inspiration from... No, they're American. Okay. Well, they're from... They're, they started in Texas. Okay. But I think they're originally... Well, they're, they're, their families are from South America. Mm-hmm. 
they get their inspiration from some strange sources. Uh, like their debut in two thousand three, which was deloused in the Comatorium. It was it revolved around the tale of uh, a man who tried to kill himself by overdosing on morphine, and their album the francis the mute in 2005 came from an anonymous man's diary that chronicled his search for his biological parents the bedlam at goliath was based on something really sinister so this started when the guitarist omar was in a shop of curiosities in jerusalem uh, he found, basically, it's, it's a Ouija board, but it was called the Soothsayer. That's what the band called it. And he thought, oh, this would be a nice gift for Cedric, the, the singer. <laughs> Which is it's just weird. Like, I, w- I would never buy that as a gift for anybody. But it was like an archaic, old-fashioned style Ouija board. You know, the letters weren't in the in the normal places. It was a bit strange. He took that home, and they started using it in the tour bus. And they were touring with the Chilis, and a lot of the fans were trying to get to the Chilis, and they'd be like, oh, you know, try and get us get us to see uh, Antiquitas and all this stuff, and the, the Mars Volta just didn't want to uh, hang around those fans, so they just spent time in the bus playing on their Ouija board, as you do. Cool. So they loved it, and they got really addicted to it. They were doing it very regularly. They used to get messages from it, and they discovered that were there were some characters coming out as well. So this is what this is what Cedric says. Uh, there was a, a love triangle that was attached to it, and the poems that came out of this Ouija board described a mother, daughter, and another man love triangle. <clears throat> and they were being contacted by at least three people that were actually three sides of one person. We wrote down a lot of the messages they gave us and we used it in the lyrics for their new album. We also tried to fasten the lyrics into a sort of good luck charm by putting positive elements into it. This was a bit creepy. You know, they were being contacted by something, or maybe they it appeared that they were, and these poems appear in... In the album Bedlam in Goliath, have you have you heard the album? Yeah, I did. Oh, it was a couple of weeks ago now, but I have listened to the album. It's weird because it's not it's not a dark album. No, and, and no. it's interesting because you say that they tried actively tried to to weave in some positivity, and I, I mean I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a positive sounding album, but it's not a dark sounding album. And I think you know it's uh, the pitch of the vocals and the the melodies are mm, yeah, it's it's nice sounding. It's it's well. Mm. Uh, nice. I don't know about nice. It's, <laughs> it's the Mars Vulture a bit, a bit obscure, but I enjoyed it. Uh, I would say I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, and, it's and not particularly dark. It's not particularly dark. No, I, I don't know no. if I really held on to any of the lyrics at all. So maybe the lyrics are. It's not. They're not a band where I'm necessarily hearing what's being said and, and taking it in. Yeah, their their lyrics are usually very surreal and almost gibberish. Right. Yeah, they're saying things like when they're pushing the the little wooden triangle on this Ouija board. Cedric was saying, are you pushing this thing or am I pushing this thing? Kept writing everything down, it said, because it was ten times more creative than anything I think I could have come up with. And the fact that I was writing everything down is what challenged the spirits that we contacted and alerted them that we had the power of unmasking their anonymity. But they enjoyed doing these sessions and they discovered that the spirit, which was acting as these three characters was called Goliath, or it called itself Goliath. It was like, as they say, a schizophrenic version of three people 
who were trying to contact us. Mm. It became a classic scenario of a male character speaking over the female and the female looking for a champion who is brave enough to tell their story. So that's this is all their words, by the way. Yeah, yeah. there were different different names that came out of this board. Uh, Goliath, Mr. Muggs, Patience Worth, Tourniquet Man. And then the soothsayer started asking the band what they had to offer, supposedly. So it was a bit strange. They were getting a bit confused with what, what do we say to this mm. board. And then suddenly there was a lot of bad luck happening to the band. So this is quite well documented. Lots of strange occurrences in the studio, lots of bad luck. Could be a coincidence, maybe not, we'll see. So first of all, their drummer at the time quit mid-tour and left the band with serious financial troubles. Cedric, the singer, he was struck by a really random foot injury um, that later required major surgery. It, it required his bones to be shaven down in his foot. A flood wiped out most of the studio. Audio tracks were literally disappearing from the computer computer monitor in front of their eyes. And their main mixer technician had a nervous breakdown and just left midway through recording. And he had a lot of the ideas and the important information. Uh, so they lost all that information because he just yeah. basically disappeared. So this is quite unfortunate. This is quite... So were they still scary. were they still using the Ouija board at that time, or, or did did using the board all happen prior to conceiving the album and, and starting recording for that? The the Ouija board was where they got a lot of their ideas from and their lyrics and their inspiration for the the album's themes. But then when all this started happening, they were they weren't touching the board at all. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So what they did that they they got into a hole financially because of all these problems. And they didn't know what to do. So they decided to get rid of the board, which makes sense. You know, you think, why didn't you do this before? Omar buried the object and was sworn not to tell anyone in the band where he'd hidden it. It's a secret. So this is what he says. Because such a strange impact was left by using the board, we decided to make a record based on the stories we were getting from the things or the spirits we were contacting. The album is basically sort of like the Ghostbusters. Uh, when they want to catch a ghost, they throw out this little trap on the floor and they open it. The record serves as a bunch of little traps, so when the record comes out, people will have those traps. They can play the game and try to reverse the bad luck we've had come from it. It's our way of creating a little infernal machine, but we've reversed it for good luck. So I don't quite get what that means, but I think I think what they've done is try and make as good as they can from a terrible situation and try and, you know, stand stand firm in all this adversity and say like well we're not going to be pushed around by the goliath and we're going to make this album and try and make it positive and like one of the out al- one of the album's tracks is called metatron which is i believe it's a saint of protection in catholicism mm-hmm. so that's one of the reasons it's in there is is to improve the positive vibes going on <clears throat> very strange so, it, it, the description yeah. of what they the description you gave there of what they're trying to do with the album yeah i'm glad it doesn't make sense to you because it makes zero sense to me <laughs> this is honestly all the sense i could make from it because I, I just think like why would you even include any of the words that come from this board at all yeah if it's so evil how long ago was this record this record i think it was 2008 and have they released 
They've released albums since then, right? They have, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah so it's it's all pretty creepy. So Omar wrapped up the soothsayer in a cloth, found a place in soil, and didn't tell anybody. And they're just hoping that everybody takes it as a positive thing. So that's all well and good. That's fine, I guess. But then when they released this album on vinyl, guess what they did? Did they put a picture of <laughs> the, a uh, the album, not a picture, well, they actually put basically a life-size version of the Ouija board in the oh, no. vinyl case with a with the special triangle that you move around. Well, that's not reversing it's the It's in there so everybody... It? That's, that's encouraging it. It's in there so everybody can do it at home. It's, it's so strange. Yeah, that's weird. Why would they do that? That's weird. You know, they got all this they got all this bad mojo from making this record and now they're just they're like, Oh no, we're gonna be clean from it. But here it is. It's I wonder if that's that's just the the label doing that, just thinking it would be a cool yeah bit of marketing. People are gonna want this because because of the cool tale behind it or Yeah, it's so strange. It's so strange. But these guys, Omar and Cedric, they they seem very no nonsense guys, you know. Mm. I don't, they don't seem like the sort of people that would do it for a bullshit. gimmick. No, they they're not gimmicky at all. You know, they're very. Oh, maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe that's the point. I'd be very surprised if it was a gimmick, though. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. It's to a cool be honest, tale. but it does like creep me out. Yeah, it does creep me out a lot, and I I just wonder what was what was really going on. But it does make me want to to listen to the album and again and read the lyrics and find out what is going on. Yeah, I like it. I, I think maybe, yeah, I'll do the same thing. I'll listen to it again. Yeah, think about it. Think about it more when I'm listening to it next time. And maybe it'll mm. it'll uh, it'll affect me differently. Yeah, maybe. Good work, man. Yeah. I got super stuff. creeped out um, the other day. So my walk to, if I do go into the office, then I, I walk to the station in the morning. It's about a 20-minute walk. And a lot of that walk is through uh, wood and a park and mm. the weather lately has been i mean it's it's pitch black when i walk to the station in the morning it's about 6 30 yeah. and it's it's complete darkness at that time and yeah. the weather lately down this end i don't know what it's like up your way but it's just been torrential rain for so long like just non-stop so i'm walking to the station about a week ago it's about 6 30 in the morning it's pouring with rain i've got an umbrella but it's not it's not helping me that much and I've got a torch because I can't, you know, when I, once I turn off the road into the wood and I walk through the woods for a bit and then I walk out into the park and I walk through the park for a bit, there's obviously no street lights there and it's pitch black, like mm. so black. So I use the torch on my phone. So I've got the torch on my phone going and coming towards the end of the pathway where there is a street light right at the end of the pathway uh, as I'm coming out of the park, I can see a figure walking out of the park so but not quite there yet so i mean and the figure is walking at a speed where i'm going to get to the end of the park before them so i'm going to meet them you know right in the park and it's pouring with rain it's the middle of you now it's 6 30 in the morning but it's it's dark you know it's it's i'm going to call it nighttime still and this figure was shuffling and i do mean shuffling right they're not walking they're not lifting their feet they're shuffling along oh. without an umbrella okay. and without a hood up it's pouring with rain and they're just shuffling. Uh, very tall, very tall guy and had long hair. And that was terrifying. <laughs> I was really, really scared. Uh, 
but I just you know, gritted my teeth and, and walked past and they didn't flinch. They continued shuffling. And so I, I think it was perhaps someone on some kind of substance. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, if you see them again, maybe say hello. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe um, maybe they might be really nice and, and really easy to talk to. Yeah, that was really creepy. Maybe nice. Yeah. And you're quite tall. So when you say that it was a tall person, then it's taller than me. Really tall. yeah. Taller than me, yeah. wearing a like a I guess like a it was a long coat. But, but notably didn't have an umbrella or a hood up and it was torrential rain and they were just shuffling mm. along like, like really I can't I know I keep using the same word but I don't know how else to describe it they were not lifting their feet and there were lots of little shuffles moving forwards little shuffles very freaky very mm. freaky strange did you did you read the uh, stuff I sent you about uh, whistle binkies oh yes so tell tell the listeners um, tell the listeners what you're doing yeah so so my band play sometimes in, in various places in Edinburgh. And last Thursday, we played at Whistle Binkies at midnight. Whistle Binkies is... Oh, you started um, your set at midnight? Yeah, with oh, midnight cool. start. Yeah, absolute lunatic. It's, it's said to be the most haunted pub in Edinburgh. Actually, one of the most haunted pubs in the world, actually. Uh, there's there's tombs, some kind of mines underneath. You can go through the tunnels, and you can actually have a drink in the tunnels, of course. You know, so they do milk it. There are actual accounts of spooky things happening recently, like bar staff getting mysteriously locked in the back room and they can't get out, or fruit being sliced <laughs> behind people's backs, like they turn around and the fruit's been sliced by itself. Uh, <laughs> things like that. Um, strange sounds, some staff just running away, don't want to work there, <laughs> you know, so it's an interesting place. I didn't see anything spooky when I played Thursday, but I am back there on, well, this Friday anyway, Friday the 29th, uh, at midnight again, cool. like a lunatic. So if you happen to be in Edinburgh at midnight, then please come along and say hello and, um, hear us play. <laughs> so I think, uh, but it's a really good venue. I think that the cellar is the place to be. So there's been, it seems like there's been lots of uh, strange goings on in the cellar. There have been yes. periods when staff have refused to enter the cellar because of things they hear down there and they don't trust it. Yes, um, yeah. And just just other weird things happening down there, noises people hear down there. So yeah, the yeah. cellar is, is the place to be. And times-wise, I mean, I don't know how long your set is and if you want to catch a drink afterwards... But 4.45 a.m. is apparently a significant time. The clocks in Whistlebinkies stop at 4.45 a.m. regularly. So something obviously happened at that time. Maybe stick around till then. Nice. Uh, I, I won't be sticking around till then. I'll be, going, I'll be driving home and go to bed. <laughs> I might try and go deeper into the building just before and see if I can find anything. Hopefully I won't get locked away before going on stage because that would be a bit embarrassing. A little bit of a locking's okay. Uh, isn't but it? it's a good venue anyway. It's it's a good atmosphere. But yeah, that's that's whistle binkies. <laughs> cool man. If anyone has any uh, creepy tales, music related or or non music related, we can still read in our spare time. Send them through to superfancast@outlook.com or contact us on any other channels. Twitter superfancast1 i think you can just find us on super i need to stop saying that now because i think if you just search for superfancast you'll find us on twitter now i think that that uh yeah it's got a nice who, shiny yellow logo that's it and the guy that was holding on to superfancast i think we've we've outdone him now i think i don't think anyone's mistaking him for us i don't think so 
Facebook, Superfancast. And if you want to support us, please go to patreon.com slash superfancast. It'd be really nice to have a little kickback to help us keep this thing going. Yeah, that's it from me. Is that all from you, Matt? Yeah, we love to hear from everybody. Uh, we haven't heard any terrible reviews of the last episode. I guess that's a good thing, I suppose. Mm. Haven't had any angry Apple reviews. Like, you, you guys aren't fluent experts in Icelandic. How dare you? <laughs> One star. God, you might as well have just interviewed Bjork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why didn't you get Bjork on the show? Like, yeah, so please just get in touch, even if it's abuse. We just like to hear people. <laughs> yeah, I'll stand by that. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to you joining us again in a couple of weeks for the next deep dive, which is going to be Polvo. Cool. Stay safe. Keep rocking. And see you next time. Toodaloo.